I'm Alex. And I'm Val. And here we are, talking about Sopranos. We talk about Sopranos a lot. We are watching this show for like the sixth-ish time something, on average. Something-ith time. And we decided that this go-around... Oh yeah, and we're married, so we yeah. live together, and so we decided when we're watching this show, we are going to watch it, take some notes, and then record a podcast immediately after. Yeah, so instead of watching the show and immediately talking about and reflecting on it, we just, just do the exact ourselves. same thing in front of a microphone and share it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's really that's really it. It's um, That's what our podcast is. So I don't know if you guys like it, but if you do, let us know. Let us know if you don't. Some of you have. We haven't heard anybody not liking it. I mean, there's time. Yeah, there's still time. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'd love to hear what you think, or if there's anything you think that we should talk about. Or can do better. Or can do better. <laughs> Always looking to improve ourselves in 2019. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about ep- uh, Season 4, Episode 8. Mergers and Acquisitions. And we're getting towards the back end of the season already. Yeah. Which has been an interesting season. It's I'm an interesting exci- season. I'm excited for us to do, we just, with season three, we just started to do like a season wrap up episode. Yeah. Um, and now I kind of like, I'm still thinking a lot about the individual episodes, but I'm also thinking about the whole arc of seasons and stuff like yeah, that a little more than Yeah, and season four is interesting. It's a little bit like fragmented in that every mm-hmm. episode kind of for a bit here is kind of like standing alone and not really propelling the narrative forward that much. Yeah. These kind of like self-contained stories and it's, everything is on a relatively small scale. Well, and interestingly, we have a lot of these episodes that David Chase is involved in that we have these like teams of writers, like, you know. Yeah. Like we have, yeah, David Chase, we have Green and Burgess, Terrence Winter, and they're all kind of like, coming up with the stories even though the teleplay is by Lawrence Connor there's this kind of teamwork that's happening in the writers room to kind of come up with what the plot will be and I think we had a really similar team last week Yeah it's been happening this season Yeah so it's interesting in terms of like the story right cuz again kind of what is the story over the course of this season we actually don't get a ton of clarity on that until the very end um, I mean, and there are some yeah. standout episodes, like next episode is a standout. This season finale is a standout. Yeah. Um, it is artful, though, because, like, it seems like nothing is happening, and yet there are small things that are propelling us towards the end of the mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. And the writers do have an idea of what the goal is in season four, and there are things that are happening in this episode, for example, that are moving us towards that large climax. Yeah, no, totally. I think this episode, there were a lot of lines or a lot of scenes that, again, kind of like we were talking about with, like, Christopher as an episode or I think it was The Weight where we were Mm -hmm. talking about that again, um, that there's kind of this, you know, I don't mean it in a negative way when I say heavy-handedness because I think the way that Sopranos does it works but we definitely have some lines uh, that are pointing to some of these larger issues in a really kind of heavy-handed way. Mm. Um, what are some examples of that in this episode for you? Well, I was thinking about like Tony, like Tony writing 
some of these cards, some of the things that people say, right? Like, so Tony writes this card, like, it was great while it lasted, yeah. which is kind of one of these larger Sopranos kind of messages where it's like, there's nothing, mm. you know, like, you know, like, there's nothing out there after this. So, you know, like, embrace, not embrace it while you can, but there is or kind of like... Or come in at the end, that the best is behind Yeah, us. exactly. Um, sorry, I'm just looking through my through my notes. Uh, la, la, la. Um, you know, when Furio's uncle, I guess, says, like, he lived a long life, had lots of women, right? Kind of like yeah. how people are remembered. The, there's definitely this... an interesting theme of, like, womanizing in the relationship between men and women in this episode. Yeah. Um, but, no, but they're just, like, I don't know, some of these lines that are said, like, even when Carm comes out and says, like, I'm not a feminist, but, yeah, there's, like, there's a lot on that on um, that theme. Her reading Miss of Avalon, her throwing it against the wall. Yeah, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Aid talking about how you can, you know, her mother yeah. always told her, you know a man, by the way, way he, he treats, treats a women. woman. Yeah, I wrote that one down, too. Tony saying to Valentina, I already took his horse for one, which is a pretty fucked up thing to say. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is pretty mean. He deserved that slap. But then we have, like, you know, we even have, like, this artist, right? So we have Valentina asking Tony... Um, do you have any interest in art? And then we have him go to this art dealer. Maybe we'll talk more about that scene. But, you know, the one part I was thinking of when the artist says, like, oh, it would be a better composition without Ralphie in it. Um, Which for me, I mean, no spoilers, (laughs) but for me it points to some other things that are going to happen this season. It also points back to the end of Pyomai, to the end of, um, yeah, to the end of, was it last episode? Pyomai was five, episode five. Oh. This is episode eight. Yeah, so it, but it points me back to the end of Pyomai when we have Tony sitting in the stable. With Pyomai with and Pai the goat. With and then the goat comes up, right? Because yeah. it is this kind of like, we talked a little bit about it, this kind of classical composition of a triangle kind of shape, right? Yeah. Where we have like Tony looking down. It's almost like a religious painting, right? And this goat pops in. Right. At the end, right? So I was thinking, and that was just such like an artistic shot. So it, it yeah. brought me back to that. For me, there's something well. almost ironic about pointing out the composition. Like there's a few small little things in this episode that make it seem kind of, it, it kind of brings on another meaning to it. Like, first of all, Valentina's originally sold as an art dealer or like that she works at an art gallery. Yeah. But she's actually not. She actually, we find out that she works at a framing store, basically, okay. which is interesting the way that they sell her. And then they talk about, do you like art? Which obviously the creators of the show are concerned they, with art, they like art and yeah. presenting an artistic product and thinking about a lot of the concepts of fine art. But... When she actually takes them to this place of art, it's this guy who's basically just painting horses. And I think there's something about, like, the composition would be better. It's actually kind of ridiculous. Like, they're just these, like, horse paintings in front of pastures or, like, they're just kind of there. They're not – there's no kind of, like, deeper meaning or symbolism the way that there is in this show. Right. So I think it's, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek from them or something. I think so, too. That Valentina actually is not, even though she's being – kind of acclaimed as somebody yeah. coming from these this sophisticated art world it's actually a misrepresentation yeah. and i think that he's a misrepresentation too of going to you know a, like a place of art yeah and painter. and we'll see that painting we will see that painting and i'm excited for that uh, i just i sorry i just came across one of the other lines that i was thinking of it's when tony's in the car with polly 
And he says to him, and it's like kind of funny coming out of Tony's mouth. He's like, well, everybody's going to get old and die. Right. He's saying that to Polly when Polly's talking about his mom. Yeah. Um, and so again, and then, you know, we have some flashbacks with Melfi also to talk about mothers and parenting and things like that. So I don't know. It's like there's a few things here that, and again, I don't mean heavy handed in a negative way, but there's, we're hammering home a few ideas in this episode based on these kind of almost little like vignettes that we get, um, of a couple of our different characters. Yeah, totally. I agree. So... I don't know how we want to approach this one and what we want to talk about. I, I do want to talk about kind of like the man-woman issues that are going on. I want to talk about, you know, kind of like Tony's, I don't know, like what's Tony's hang-up about like, you know, this kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, being with someone's, someone's like being with Valentina. Yeah. I mean, I think it Ralphie. is like, like Valentina says this kind of like macho code, this kind of bullshit macho code. Yeah. Or like cuckolding, like Melfi talks about it. Yeah. Um, but they, but they have this weird relationship because of it. Like, yeah, it's linked in with this ho horse rural kind of mm -hmm. vibe. And so like, cause they meet there, right. They meet at the stables. Yeah. Tony gives her this horseshoe ring. I think yeah. it's a ring. Uh, they go to this hotel that's like a farm hotel. I don't. Yeah. I don't know exactly where this hotel, like bed and it's breakfast, that I it's guess, would in be. In the country, it's like a weird farm hotel that they go and yeah. stay at, and they stay at another kind of strange hotel afterwards. Yeah, in, which is different than when too. we think about where he's gone with Gloria, where it was in the city, right? It really seemed like this, like sophisticated, expensive, almost like penthouse yeah. of a hotel room. So it is a different kind of environment for the relationship. Yeah. And then, like, again, kind of like you said, like, he says, like, well, I already took his horse. Like, she's kind of linked in with this rural scene. Yeah. That that's somehow, like, important for Tony. Like, he's spending a lot of time now, like, going to visit Piomai, right? That's when we see – it's one of the first scenes that we get is him yeah. um, in there with the – person who takes care of the horse yeah interestingly and, putting on titanium shoes like right. tony suggested right in an, earlier on in the season yeah very small piece of information but <laughs> so it's super important <laughs> what does it mean but yeah but like she's this i don't know yeah I, so i don't really i don't really know where to stand on it um she's clearly like pretty weird i mean She's a super weird character. She like really likes practical jokes, I guess. And yeah, then we, I mean, and I then think we that know, Tony we know yeah. that like in the same way, kind of like Gloria was like she kind of like attaches herself too quickly. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not, I like, I'm not gonna say I love you. I do that usually yeah. too soon. Like, there is like we a kind of know she's crazy. That Tony seems to be drawn to. Yeah, and she, I mean, she looks like Gloria. Yeah, and there's also like this like archetype that Tony's drawn to yeah and i think that he there is like a basic level to what he is looking for and what his attraction is it's she's part italian we find out that she comes right. from italian cuban stock she has dark hair yeah she's beautiful i think that that is almost enough in fact if we think back to what tony said he needs or what he likes about tony about gloria it's like well she's italian she's beautiful she has long legs long legs you know so valentina seems pretty short but <laughs> nonetheless like that physical attribute is reinforced for her in her own ways. 
Yeah. So those things that Tony looks for in a Gumar are there. I also think that he likes that she kind of belittles Ralphie in front of people. Yeah. Because Tony has such a distaste for Ralphie that I think that he likes this weird aspect of her that kind of puts Ralphie down. And then there's something that maybe he's drawn to, like a moth to a flame of the danger. There's, right, there that was, Ralphie there was some interesting. There was an interesting scene, actually, when he's calling from a payphone closer to the end of the episode by the highway. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a cell phone call from her, and he's leaning on the payphone. For me, that kind of signifies the carelessness of engaging in this relationship mm. with one of his captain's mm. gumars. Because, like, he's out there being careful as a mob boss to be right. on a payphone and make phone calls. And then yet he's talking on the cell phone about this delicate situation. Right. And I think that there is an aspect of he is drawn to the danger of this relationship. I think you're right. And the fact that it's obviously problematic given his relationship, his already kind of tenuous relationship with Ralph. Yeah. I just like, I don't really get how he kind of justifies it for himself. And it's just like, again, it's just like part of Tony's psychology, but I don't really, I don't really see how the fact that Ralphie hasn't actually slept with her or maybe only a few times or whatever it might be. We don't really, he, Ralphie says one thing and Valentina says another. I trust her more than I trust Ralphie, but I don't know, you know, like. I think there's like a power dynamic, like Tony, there's an aspect of Tony wanting to be in control. Like we taught, we, we examine this male, female, uneven relationship. Mm -hmm. Things like Carmela saying like, I'm not a feminist, you know, I'm not believing in 50-50. Like this like overt lack of power balance and power domination by Mm -hmm. men in this world. And there's something maybe about like Ralphie not having that over her that doesn't belittle him. And then especially like when we think about the the M part of S&M, the masochism that Ralphie shows throughout the show that we've seen with Janice, with the stuff with the, with the cheese grater <laughs> with now yeah we're finding out about the cheese grater the candle wax on balls <laughs> all sorts of stuff really is that in your notes uh let me see do i did i write down yep i wrote down ralph cheese grater candle wax on balls <laughs> previously dominated s&m rooted in childhood welcome <laughs> to my notes everybody good notes <laughs> yeah but there is an aspect of that like We've talked in the show about how we don't really get a window into other characters' psychology often. Sometimes we do, but this is an example of Ralphie that kind of gets shut down. So that's introduced that it could be rooted in his childhood. When Tony is in the back of Crazy Horse and he's talking to him and he asks him and he's pushing about his mother, Ralph just says, gotta go, and he leaves. There's Mm -hmm. no closure to that issue. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of a classic Sopranos instance of us not learning more about that open-ended question. It remains ambiguous. Right. But we have this aspect of Ralphie where he needs to be dominated, where I feel like that is kind of open-ended. That could be for various reasons, but he, even though Janice says, like, he needs to be in control but be out of control, mm-hmm. it's it's complicated. But he is this, like, tough guy persona, but at the same time, he kind of contradicts that by needing to have the w- woman in his romantic relationships hurting him and damaging him which is interesting because he is somebody who is typically seen as being dangerous dominating others having holding power over others but then in his personal life he wants that to happen to him right yeah that that makes sense 
I'm just trying to see, like, because there's this one part, like, when they're in the restaurant and Ralphie and Valentina come, and you can see, and it's after she's done that salt, um, amazing salt joke to Tony. <laughs> um, and My dad did that joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great joke. <laughs> Uh, we see that then, like, Ralphie takes the salt off the table. So we know that she's also done that to Ralphie. Oh, I missed that. And well, Tony good. sees that, and Tony's watching that. And so we oh. see a couple times Tony in this episode, like, we get this kind of view into his psyche because, like, we see him watching that scene. We also see, I forget exactly when this happens, but we see him like see Valentina but then we see him like flash back to these scenes of her with Ralphie like mm-hmm. them at the stable and them at the restaurant um so we we get a sense of like his kind of like conundrum with this issue right he Tony doesn't want to be the same as Ralphie right like Tony sees himself as different than Ralphie better than Ralphie whatever that might be. Well, and interestingly, the way the show is presented to us is that Tony is better than Ralphie. Ralphie is kind of an antagonist throughout the course of the Mm -hmm. show. Ralph's level of mania and violence does make Tony a comparatively better person. Mm -hmm. And so there is an interesting dynamic between the two of them that we have, and I think Ralph is presented that way, and it's something that Tony is feeling as well. Mm -hmm. It makes him feel like a good person. I also just think it's it's interesting, too, like, how risky, like, they say, like, it's risky for her to trust Ralphie to have a sense of humor. I think that's one of these mm-hmm. things that we're supposed to, like, see between Ralphie and Tony. Like, you know, he's trying right. to portray himself as someone who can take a joke. Right. I don't know that Tony really can take a joke all that well, either. Well, these practical jokes seem to be fine. Yeah. But, but even, it's very but shallow. Even, yeah. I mean, I feel like it, he would get bored of it. Like, it doesn't feel like that's, like, a core personality trait of his. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. And then, of course, like, we have this unspoken, like, you know, well, she's, I don't know, this unspoken thing that's going on then by the end. And we'll talk about that more between Carm and Tony, right? Mm-hmm. They both know this information about each other. Yeah. Um the information that Carmela knows is based on these really trashy fingernails that Valentina wears, and they focus a lot on her right. fingernails. Well, they also focus on Carmela's fingernails. They do, but in a different way. Like, Valentina's are more, like, animalistic, and I think that's kind of what I'm thinking mm-hmm. about in terms of, like, this link to animals. But they are... She also wears, like, a lot of fur coats. She wears, yeah. like, this, like, leopard one. Then right. she, like, she has these, like, furry coats. Yeah. So I don't know what they're trying... Like, something about... I don't know, like more like base instincts or desires or something. Well, it's not like the first that. time they've linked one of Tony's partners with animals. I mean, think about the snakes, the you know, yeah. the kind of cold-blooded reptiles with Gloria. Yeah, but I'm trying. So I'm, yeah, this is just what I'm trying to work through, and it's hard to do this on the spot. But there is something again that's drawing him to her because we know that Tony really likes animals, mm-hmm. right? And so, and we've talked about what animals kind of represent for him. He's clearly going through this thing this season, right? Like with the death of Gloria mm-hmm. and with his relationship with Carmela being what it is right now with her putting this pressure on him to, you know, have these legit 
financial trusts and stuff like that and hiding his money and finances not being as good after 9-11. So yeah. I'm trying to see like how that relates yeah. to like then being drawn to someone and plus the Ralphie element being drawn to someone like Valentina who's associated with animals. Well, I think that Tony is drawn to animals and we've talked about this because of the simplicity of the relationship, the fact mm. that they don't challenge him back. And as he is having domestic issues, especially in this season that largely focuses on rifts between Tony and Carmela, mm. I think that we're starting to see a commonality of a lack of challenging from well, in some ways a like a lack of challenging relationships from his Gumars. It turns out that they all kind of blow up and challenge him in ways, but he always has the ability to just pick up and leave. In fact, as soon as they kind of challenge who he is or become something deeper than a kind of shallow, fun relationship, they he's not really interested in it anymore. So it's kind of similar to the animals because they're these just kind of fun, sexual romps for him. Like similar I, to the animals. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in the sexual part, but okay. it, in the in the lack of challenge to himself. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, there is something, too. Like, we see him, like, in the episode, cl- close to the end, after they meet, and Tony drinks a Diet Coke, and she's like, I broke up with Ralphie, and he turns her down, right? Interesting. He drinks a Diet Coke in this episode. Because he, he, he also yeah. asked for decaf at the end. Yeah, it was Which are not normal things that he has. I know. I was thinking about that, too. But then we see him, like, wandering the mall, right? They have had that in this season, though, with him yeah. go being, you know, being on a diet near the beginning and... And I mean, he looks sl- really... he looks slim right now. He was yeah. wearing that red shirt. I'll get into that. Don't you? Don't okay. you worry. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd, you know, spoil. Uh, I don't need the alley oop. I got okay, it. I'm all ready. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's an alley oop for some color stuff. No, but then we like see him wandering around this mall, and that's when he takes out her. Bu- he takes out her business card a number of times yeah. during this episode, right? To kind of like, when he's thinking of her, call her. I don't know. So there's something. There's something else there that she gives him and it is kind of like he's searching for something in this kind of like meaningless yeah um like a world that for him doesn't really have much meaning and that's i think kind of like what this season is indicating to me like because it is these kind of like small stories there isn't a lot of plot development and Mm -hmm. of course like we can always look at this show we can think about it in terms of like whose perspective things are from and if we think about it from tony's perspective it is kind of this like meaningless nothing's really happening for him right he's kind of like out of the action because of the court case and yeah whatever um you know they're like buying and selling properties right so you know he is i think seeking something to make him feel Mm -hmm. like he felt when he was with gloria which was kind of exciting um i don't know anyways i can't quite figure it out but yeah no it's it's interesting i mean there is also a link like that's a very direct link between her and animals too not only in the clothing but like when he actually gets slapped by her and you think it's over by him saying well i already took his horse and then the fact that she comes back to him and it seems fine they're both happy about it like they're not challenging relationships to him no, well, and then there's the Icelandic woman, right, who we see briefly in this episode. And we find out from her that She's minding your facts. P's and Q's is about drinking. Yeah. Thank she, you, Icelandic She sounds air. like she has a little bit of an Irish accent, which <laughs> I, I, I don't know where that comes from. Um, but Icelandic accents are... It's actually interesting, though, that she is proposing these facts and yeah. that she is, like, 
somebody with knowledge, and then she's not the person who Tony chooses to spend his time yeah, with. Yeah, no, he's, like, not excited by that. I think that education is actually something that gets fixated on a little bit in this episode, mm-hmm. too, between Polly, between the principal that mm-hmm. he he goes to visit. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, there's... He's singing, we don't need no education. And actually, those are the words he doesn't know. Mm. Because he actually, when he's singing, we don't need no, and I wrote it down, do da di da <laughs> another and which is you know coming from another brick in the wall yeah but we don't need no education as already forgets we don't need no thought control the fact that he forgets those words is indicative of his lack of education and his link to polly who also discusses in this episode how grade nine was his last he ends right. up bullying this principal yeah there was a lot happening the principal where... gets really mad at that guy for his shoes yeah and his shoelaces <laughs> We don't need no do-da, do-da. do-da <laughs> Good thing I wrote that down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And the conversation with Melfi about the Gumars is really interesting, mm-hmm. too. Because she, like, we kind of jump into their conversation there where she says to Tony, well, don't you think you might just be feeling guilty or something along mm-hmm. those lines, right? Um, and then they get into this, you know, like then their session's over very abruptly af- right. after we kind of enter this scene, right? Yeah. We come in like very close to the end and she says that. And then he's really, you know, perplexed by this masochism thing that's going on with Ralphie. And he has a lot of questions about that. He sure does have a lot of questions about. And then he talks to his own sister about it, which, ew. Well, he pays his own sister for it. That's a great scene, actually. Like, it's yeah. interesting. Like, Janice I love Janice so pressing the shirt. So actually being at home in her own environment and actually embracing some of those motherly attributes that she was kind of putting on as a farce earlier on in the season, actually doing that on her own time, not to show and fake it to anybody, but actually doing it. But at the same time on TV is what I think is BattleBots. I think so. (laughs) If I have to test my early 2000s. It looked like some battling robots (laughs) competition shows. I think it was BattleBots, which just shows that at heart, she is this kind of monster rally <laughs> type person that, you know, it has not been shaken yet. But there's some great things in the composition of that shot even when, when Tony and Janice are talking to each other, when Tony is smirking and we see Janice acting through this basically knowing yeah. that she has something to get from it. There's a cross in the background behind her, oh. which is really interesting as she manipulates Tony to get what she mm. wants, which is $3,000. Mm-hmm. When we think about her manipulating Faith in terms of her identity and her schemes to come up with money through Christian rock. It's funny that there's this symbol of faith and religion behind her as she is manipulating Tony to pay her to talk about whatever the fuck they're doing. Interesting. Yeah. It is. I love love how she puts up like a tiny little bit of a fight. Right. It's pretty funny. Um, what about Carmela in this episode? Mm-hmm. Like, and like Carmela and Furio. Yeah. What's lot. going on there? There's a lot. The one weird, there's one really weird part, I guess, for me. And where Tony, I guess, is putting in this theater system. Yeah. In their house. Mm-hmm. And it shows like a Harrison Ford movie. And then there's all this. Oh, thank you. And uh, is it also The Fugitive at the end? of? I think it's the same movie, yeah. It's the same movie? Oh, it's just like bookended by Harrison Ford, this scene? Why not? I mean, totally, why not? The Fugitive, interesting. 
Um, but we have, she, like, so, like, he's testing out all the systems. And then Carmela comes in, and they have this conversation, and this bagpipe music I know. is <laughs> blasting. And we can't even hear the characters. And so I don't yeah. know, like, and so clearly this theater system costs a lot of money. Yeah. I don't, is that in their pool house? Where is that? Yeah, it's in a separate house. I feel like it's representative of what's happening in the family. Like, there's a sense of unease and a sense of exoticness where they're just like nothing is in place with the bagpipe music. Like, there's just kind of something wrong about it. I also feel like when he's watching the Harrison Ford movie, it reminds me of his conversation with Melfi where he says he was watching Seven and he couldn't get through it. And now he's investing in a home theater system watching, you know, Hollywood similar mm-hmm. movies so he clearly hasn't learned his lesson because that's something that melfi commended him on and said well good for you there's just dist- all these distractions mm-hmm. but in season four he's just engaging in more distractions whether be it a relationship or a movie he's smoking a cigar mm-hmm. and he falls asleep and he wakes up and he watches the movie some more Eat some popcorn but yeah there's just this this kind of cycle of of nothingness and yeah. i feel like he's just engaging in now constructing a temple of nothingness, really. But he hasn't grown as a character through the four seasons that we've known him. If anything, he's been regressing. And he doesn't even have a conversation with Carmela, which is ironic because when the guy's there, he talks about, we can watch movies as a family family, now, which is directly correlated with bagpipe music happening, and he can't even talk to his wife. So we know that there's these rifts happening between him and Carmela, and yet... This thing that's supposed to bring together the family is actually making it impossible for them to even hear each other. Yeah, I, there's something to that where it was like, yeah, like we kind of see Carm break in this episode, right? Like a she, bit. she, Edie Falco puts on those crazy eyes a couple times, yeah, which I love when she does Great that. Great acting. But um, she, he, Tony also mentions that to Valentina. He's like, I'm a, I'm a happily married man with two kids, kind of thing. So. He's really that like... That doesn't hold up for very long. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. You're right. But yeah, that scene was really interesting. And then we have a couple... like So we have some glimpses, like I said, into Tony's psyche in this episode. But we also get Carm, right? So when they're sitting at the restaurant with Brian... Whoops. Brian and his wife earlier mm-hmm. in the episode, she we have this moment of her point of view where she's like focusing in on this art that's at Vesuvio's, mm-hmm. right? This like Italian scene, like gondolas and stuff, I think, basically. And she's hearing that amazing song that played at Furious do, do, Party. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's a great, really repetitive song. And I guess I so she hears and she that. also sings it in sings it in the shower. She does, which is a good catch. But yeah, so we we see we have her perspective on that one, right? We're hearing what's in her head and we're seeing what's in her eyes. Mm-hmm. And was there another one later? Let me. Oh yeah, then there was that other. Yes, there was the other time where she was imagining her her and Furio dancing yeah. together, and it's like in this like black background. Yeah. And, oh, it's when of course it's when she has Mario Batelli on the TV, right? And she sees his ponytail cue the amazing song again mm-hmm. and her and Furio, this image of her and Furio dancing in this right. black space. It's a beautiful fantasy. It's really, and, and then we, so yeah, so we have her experiencing these things at the same time as she's found out slash, you know, confirmed her assumptions that Tony's seeing somebody, right, by mm-hmm. finding this nail. She leaves it on his table, which is really passive aggressive. It is. They're both really passive aggressive to each other. And because, of course, then we also have her 
taking like $50,000 from like, so it was like basically like just under 50K, guess, right? Yeah. There was two payments of 9.9 to one of the guys. And then the rest, there was three other payments right. of 9.9. So that's right. about 50,000, somewhere around there from the bird feed yeah. container yeah. <laughs> that's out back. So I don't know. We have these really. Which is like, interesting because she goes to get the money when Tony is singing in the shower. No, do da dee da. And Tony is the one who pours water on her when she's singing about her Furio fantasy. Right. So they're both kind of trapped in their own fantasy world. And pouring well, water on each other's fantasies and some, like, you know what I mean? Like, kind yeah. of like, you know. Well, they're unaware of them, too. Yeah. But I mean, but in, you know, kind of that unaware way, they're like putting a damper on each other's fantasies and each other's kind of ways of living their most honest life i guess like you know well they're also taking them as opportunities to get what they want yeah so it's interesting that that scene is interesting when tony pours water on her Mm -hmm. because it does like you know he does kind of have this lightheartedness about him like he feels like this is going to be a funny joke yeah i don't think he means it in this in a malicious way whatsoever but then carm's really upset and she comes out and has that line like you know you promised that you wouldn't do this on our honeymoon? How about you can and keep this ha- one? I wish promise. you could keep just one promise, and that just like shifts it entirely. Yeah. To this, you know, this really darker thing, and we have her having that conversation, like we mentioned earlier, with, um, with Rosalie, at the diaper drive, which is a really strange diaper scene drive. when they keep getting newborn diapers. Don't know about that, but they talk. <laughs> she that's when she says like. You know, it, Rose, Rosalie says, like, it was their choice to have babies without husbands or something like that. And then Carm has that not a feminist. We put up with these gumars. Uh, Tony pulls people. That was one of those other lines that I thought was really, like, I don't know, again, like, hard-hitting. Like, well, you know, Tony pulls people into his circle, mm-hmm. right? And so she she's being really honest about kind of the way it is. And Tony talks about that too with Melfi, right? Or is it with Melfi? When he talks about how like, you know, back in the day they would take their gumars out on Friday and their wives mm-hmm. out on Saturday or vice versa. Or is versa. it the other way around? Yeah. He couldn't, yeah, he didn't even know. And that's the ironic thing too about those principles, like for something that was supposed to be so important to his family that like to the family of the mob that he doesn't actually even remember the details. Yeah. Indicative of something. Before he dumps water on, on Carm, though, we have this scene of him looking at himself in the mirror, which is always mm. kind of meaningful in this show. And we get Tony in his bathroom mirror. And what does he see? Um, it's He kind of, like, smirks at himself. He's, it's kind of when he's coming up with this idea right. for pouring this water, right? He, right. He, he then, like, puts a cup in the sink and fills it with water right. while he's standing over there. So I just I just noted it. I, I didn't... Um, I don't yeah. quite know what it means, like how he's, how he's seeing himself, or we like we often see him looking at himself in the mirror before he takes Prozac, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think like he's like find trying to find these ways to make himself happy, but he keeps like falling back in the same kind of traps, yeah, again and again. Um, yeah, something like that. Interesting, yeah, totally. I feel like there's a lot of focus on money in this episode, especially yeah. at the very beginning of the episode of um, of all of everything that happens, like Furio talking about his dad's cancer, and Tony is incapable of listening. He interrupts and says, "You want any money?" and pulls out money 
to kind of give to him, mm-hmm. which is clearly what not what Furio wants. And then shortly after, there's Brian and Tony talking about money. Brian's girlfriend saying that's all he ever wants to talk about. Karm is asking about the Freelingheisen property. Like the fact that m- money is just governing all of these characters mm-hmm. and their trajectories and their desires. It's kind of all they can see. And I think a lot of them feel that it can solve all their problems. Karm is actually being very financially driven. She's asserting her independence through financial means yeah. in this episode is interesting. But what I feel like a lot of them need, in particular Furio, cue his sad olive story, is something more emotional. So he is seeing something in Carmela, supposedly. He, lo- he loves her, apparently. He loves her. Yeah. Which was pretty kind. That was kind of like uh, Valentina. Like, that was kind of desperate. Yeah. I don't know. Or something. Like, yeah. how does how does he He's love He's a very her? emotional character. He is I mean, a I very emotional he character. He has a ponytail on. He dances. But He's like, European. It's, I don't know. This whole, like, that whole storyline still kind of, like, I don't know. I don't. It's a little bit fantastical. And it's yeah. even presented that way. Which I like. Yeah. Which I like. But I do have my kind of, like weirds about it Mm -hmm. you know well it's funny like even we've talked about this in this show before like some of the narrative choices are rather bold and interesting in a weird way when you think about some of the choices they make they're they're strange like some of the plots are a little odd for instance in this polly's mom is at green grove and doesn't get along socially so she's sad and polly i I didn't take a lot of notes on that so (laughs) well it is it's just it's not what you would expect from a show about the New Jersey mob. Right. And so, again, this show kind of being in the peak of its popularity, to choose to engage in stories like that is, it's interesting. They they choose things that are not obvious. It's kind of linked into the, like, I don't know, like they talk about it being kind of like high school. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was kind of like linked into that. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. In some way. But, yeah, I didn't, like, jot down a lot on that. Yeah. Cookie, she's really mean. Yeah. <laughs> so mean. Cookie. Yeah. And Min Matrone. I know. Min. <laughs> I won't even use the words Polly used to describe to describe them. Yeah. Um, what about what your colors? You wanna... Well, at the very end, I think they're, we get they're more really... reds and blues again. Yeah, I think that they're representing the separation that's happening between Tony and Carmela. Mm. The fact that Carmela is wearing a very distinct blue. Tony is wearing a very distinct red. The fi- the fact that they're both wearing strong primary colors mm-hmm. that are unmatched. I feel like there's no middle ground that's happening between them right now. Like no, they both no have- purple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there is no middle ground. They're both in their kind of fantasy worlds. They're both pursuing their own fantasies. Yeah. And they're not discussing their issues. And they're not finding where they can meet or have their own relationship. And I think it's driving them apart. They're going in different directions right now. Yeah. And I think that that is an issue. They're not. There's no kind of honesty. There's no openness about it. Is there nothing you want to talk about? Like what? And that's what we're left with. Yeah. That kind of lack of closure, that lack of communication. And that's going to be a problem. And I think the colors were just a really interesting way to represent that. Yeah, I agree. AJ comes down, kind of wearing black, but then he just like gets out of there. He's like, I'm out of here. He doesn't, he, he wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. He can sense the fact that there's something unaddressed and that there's issues there. Yep. But I thought, yeah, I thought it was effective to have the two primary colors, these kind of very strong unmatched pure colors that Mm -hmm. are represented on both of them and uh 
in a in a situation where they are not finding any common ground. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't really have too much else. I'm looking forward to next episode. Yeah, me too. And I think this episode, like, without we don't want to give away lots of spoilers and we try not to, but like there definitely are a lot of connections between this episode mm-hmm. and the next. Yeah. Totally. So we'll we'll reflect back on those when we talk about the next episode. Yeah. Something I want to reflect on from this episode is when Syl comes to I guess the Bing, like mm-hmm. he and Christopher come, he brings a tub of little mozzarella balls. Mm. And it's a big one. He likes cheese though. Remember? Harlesburg? Yeah, but I think that's a great <laughs> snack. That's true, it is. It looked really good. Silvio just likes his cheese. He yeah. likes Harlesburg at his fucking feet. Yeah, but I think this is even better than that. He's he's maturing. He's progressing. Yeah. The and others just, like, are the regressing. The thought of like eating mozzarella out of it, like just like as a snack, like reach reaching into a tub and it's pulling genius. out. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I wouldn't share it with someone else's fingers, though. You know what I mean? That's disgusting. And the thought actually of putting even in your own fingers in it is a little weird. Mm. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Polly it's, walnuts it's a, wouldn't eat it. It's a great choice of snack. Nor would Tony Sirico as a real person. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you for listening. We'll be back. We're progressing rapidly through season four. Well, for you, it's just for you, it's just at normal time. time. <laughs> We're trying to take advantage of January. It's January. This is our Sopranos time. Yeah. When so, possible. Yeah. Uh, like we said, let us know if you have any thoughts. Yeah. And we will see you for our next episode, which is called. Whoever did this, I believe. Whoever did this. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye.